All right. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Great. Nice to see you all. And uh, it's great to be here. I bring you greetings from uh, my part of the world, Singapore. Uh, and it's totally on the other side of the planet. It takes almost 24 hours to fly door to door. And uh, so we've, we've been here a few days, but it's so exciting to be here. Uh, my wife is, a, is an American, all-American girl. Uh, she's from Texas, and uh, Texas is a separate country, I hear. Right? Yeah, so uh, we try to come through America and spend, you know, as many Christmases as possible with the family. And uh, so we're going to do that again uh, this time. And so it's so great to be able to be here. I love being in America uh, during Christmas. Everybody's celebrating and everybody's giving a little bit more to each other. And that's the way it should be. And uh, we, we, you know, it, it rarely snows in Texas, at least the part of Texas that we're from, that my wife is from. It's called Lubbock, Texas. And uh, she's from actually a little, a little town that's like, it has 5,000 people. Uh, 2,000, sorry. Uh, and so if you drive through and you blink, you'll probably miss it. But that's the part of Texas that, that, that she, she is from. Um, so uh, it, it rarely snows. We've never had a white Christmas there, except for like three times in the last 30 years. And uh, two of those times happened when we were there. So I pray <laughs> that this December we'll have a white Christmas there. Okay, amen, yes, who knows. Okay, uh, I want to ask you right now, right from the beginning, what is the best present you can get for Christmas? Right? Maybe you've thought through this. And here's the second question. What's the nicest present you can give somebody? Right? Teenagers here, parents generally there. Am I right? That's how it is even in my church in Singapore. All the teenagers and the youth, they sit on one side. And all the parents sit either the back on the other side. But that's okay. okay. Keep it up. Okay? It's nice to sit with friends as well. But, but, but what's, what's the best present you can give each other? Love. Love. Okay? You can say a lot of things like that. And so I want to get very specific. I want to get very specific today. And I want to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness. And, and, you know, it's, it's time to really realize, you know, come, it's time to realize that I can give somebody a beautiful gift. And you know what that is? And when people have hurt you, you say, I forgive you. And when somebody comes to you and says, you know, I messed up, can you forgive me? And they hear the words, I forgive you. They walk away feeling, it's a gift you can give people. It's true. Forgiveness is very powerful. And conversely, if you go to somebody and say, I messed up, that is also a wonderful gift for yourself and even to them. So consider giving each other some grace. Amen. Amen? Consider that. Because I know in my own life, I want to look at my life and think, all right, who do I need to forgive? And to whom do I need to go to and ask for forgiveness? So what we're going to do is to help you to get there at an emotional level. I have prepared a lesson. And I've called it, It's Time to Land. Okay, so... Turn with me to the book of Ruth. And this is an interaction between two women in one family. Okay? And this is the last of the series entitled Future Family. So we're going to talk about this interaction between the two of them and some different things that have happened to them. Okay? So, are we all there? The book of Ruth is a very short book. So don't miss it. Okay. All right. Some of you have got gadgets. 
You just type in Ruth and you go straight there. Okay? And that's wonderful. All right. Wherever you're at. Okay. Are we all there? Okay. Let's go ahead and begin reading. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. A man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilin. They were a prophetite from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Mahlon and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then give birth to your sons, would you wait till they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this, they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. May the Lord be with, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from where, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Okay, we stop here. This is not a story of David and Goliath. I'm sorry. This is not even a story about Moses parting the Red Sea. This is a story, and this is what I love about the Bible. It's got stories that you and I can relate. You know, things happen. Things happen. Sometimes not good things. And then they don't know how to deal with it. And you see them wrestling how to deal with it. And that's the book of Ruth. And that's who, that's who we are. We've gone through so much over the years. Right? Okay. So, let's kind of go through this a little bit more. 
and then uh, and then we will uh, look look through some scriptures. Okay, look over here. Okay, you see the slides? All right. So the story starts off with Naomi and her husband having made a move. They moved from where? They moved from the land of Judah to the land of Moab. Now, who told her to move? Nobody. It was her own decision. They discussed it. And then they moved. They stayed there ten years. And what happened there? Her, her two sons, they die. Her husband dies. All the women live, but the men are gone. That's true, kind of today, isn't it? Women live longer than men. Is that true? Sort of true, okay. Statistically, that's what they show. But, but this was what was happening. I mean, this happened to them. Why did they die? I don't know. I don't know. And Naomi was so hurt, in pain. Right? And then she told her two daughters-in-law, Go! My life is gone. Go! And Orpah said, uh, No, no, no. Go! And Orpah said, Okay. Ruth said, No. So the Bible said, Clung on to Naomi. Clung. And then Ruth came. So two women walked from Moab to Bethlehem. They arrived in Bethlehem. They've been away for a long time, right? I mean, Naomi. The town, small town. They're like, hey, is this, is this Naomi? My friend, my old friend. You know what Naomi said? Don't call me what? Naomi. Do you know what Naomi means? If you look at the footnote, it says pleasant. Isn't that interesting? So growing up, people will call her, Hey, Pleasant! And what would she say? Hi. If she was about to react, she would think, Oh, oh my name means Pleasant. <laughs> right? Hey, Pleasant! What would Pleasant say? Hello! No, 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 no. I have to live up to my name, right? This time, you know what she says? Don't you dare call me Pleasant. Call me what? Mara! Mara means what? Peter. Hey, Bira, how are you? I mean, how would you like if someone called you Bira? Change your name, say, hey, Bira. I would react. Would you? Yeah. But, 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 but what if I have a little bitterness? What if I have a little bitterness? Would I still like people to call me bitter? But you know what Naomi said? I like that. <laughs> call me bitter. Bitter? Good. Why? Because the Lord took away my who? My husband? Took away my, my sons? And she changed her name. She went back. No hope. No hope. Okay. Now let's talk about the development of bitterness. There's a guy by the name of Dr. Luskin, an expert in the field of forgiveness. I read his stuff. And he finally was able to put things down very simply, which I like. He said, this is how bitterness and, and resentment develops. Number one, you allow hurts to endure. Do you see that? You allow hurts and resentment to endure. And you see that in the book of Ruth. Right? Chapter 1 in verse 13. You see that? It's more bitter for me than to you. And then over in verse 20, she even changed her name. 
So whatever happened to her, she let it stay. How long? A long time. Second thing that happens to people is this. They start to blame others. Do you see Naomi doing that? Yes, no? Who did she blame? She said, The Lord. See the man there? He ain't good to me. He's good to a lot of people. But he's not good to me. So I'm going to change my name. Call me bitter. And then lastly, you know what people do? They change the story. They change the story. Not so much. You know what I'm saying? They live out little details. They kind of fluff it a little bit. You understand? And why do people do that? Why do you and I do that? We change the story. Why? To justify who? To justify why we're angry. To justify why it's someone else's fault. And we change the story. Now, I want to focus on this. What story did Naomi change? Look over here, verse 21. This is very important. In verse 21 she said, I went away, what? Full. But the Lord brought me back empty. Now let me ask you, my friends. My friends. Did she really leave in full? Ten years ago, when she was in Bethlehem, why did she go to Moab? Because life was so full. Blessing was coming out of her. No, no, no. That's not what my, pay, my Bible says. What does my Bible say? There was famine, my friend. There was famine. Life was difficult, right? And so, out of desperation, she went to Moab. You know what? She forgot all that. Change the story. Change, 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 change. Ten years later, when she goes back, people say, what happened, Naomi? You know, ten years ago or so, my life was full. And now I'm empty. Change. What are you most bitter about right now in your life? What are you most resentful about? Maybe you say, hey, I'm not bitter. I take communion every Sunday. I'm a good man. Okay, what are you resentful about? And you know what? Are you allowing the hurts to endure? You can put an end to these things. And it's time... To land. You know why I picked this title? Because resentments and bitterness is like taking a flight. You go on a you go on the flight, right? You fly. Imagine while you're flying, there's a huge delay, and you never get to go to your destination. There's a change of course. Right? How would you feel in midair? You want to go from LA to Texas or Dallas or whatever. And halfway through, they change. They go to New York. That happened to me. Many years ago, I was going from Singapore to Penang. And the plane was descending I was so excited. We have a church in Penang. We're about to land. And then I felt, hey, hey, this, we weren't descending anymore. And then we, we took off a little bit. And then we did, we, you know, circulated. Then the announcement came. Pilate said, I have to say to you, we have to keep circulating. And all the passengers were like, But I'm a Christian, so I said, oh, God. 
And the pilot say, I, we have to circulate, we have to go around for a while because the weather is bad. There's a sudden gush of wind right now, and if we land, it's too dangerous. So he circulated. Now, the flight from Singapore to Penang is about an hour. You know how long we circulated? Half an hour. And everybody's like, what is this? I was getting frustrated. And then finally, uh, this is your captain speaking. We cannot land. We have to go to the nearest airport, Medan, Indonesia, which is half an hour away. So we have enough fuel for that. You know, I felt that whole thing turn. Hey, 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 this is my destination, my friend. Yes. And then the pilot lands in Medan. I get up there. I'm like, what kind of a city is this? All of us were not happy. We sat at the lounge. We are not happy. We want to go where? Penang. We bought our ticket for Penang. We don't want to go to Meda. They give us coffee. I don't want coffee. <laughs> Calm down. Have biscuit. I don't want biscuit. I want to go to Penang. <laughs> Two hours later, we got back up. Oh my goodness me. And this time we take off. And we come to Penang, descending. And I thought, will this guy take off again? <laughs> and this time we land. Perfect landing. We come out, right? All the passenger clap. <laughs> Whoa, we arrived in Penang oh, five hours later. <laughs> and all our friends were all waiting, worried. Why? What happened? We thought. <laughs> And I saw my friend, ah, we made it. You know, let me tell you something. Some of you, you don't want to land. You've got these angry thoughts going on. And you're the pilot. And you refuse to land. And brothers and sisters say, come on, it's time to land, man, come on. You say, nah, I don't want to land. Why should I land? We're going to go round and round and round. And I'm going to go land somewhere else. And you know, you do this and there's air traffic controllers in your church. The staff saying, come on, man, I can help you land this thing. Come on, the plane. You know what I'm saying? And there's Peter, there's Laura, there is elders. Come on, let's get this thing land. Come on. And you know what you do? You're about to let then you change now. We're going to circulate. We're going to go round and round and round and round and round. And then your plane runs out of fuel. And then what happens? Boom, boom, crash, you ditch. That's it. And I have seen people that allow resentments and hurt feelings crash them spiritually. And so many people are saying, land. It's time to land, buddy. Naomi, she had all those things. Refused to land. <laughs> Refused. Even changed her name. So I want to ask you, what's hurting you? Parents, let me ask you, what's hurting you? Oh, life did not turn out the way I wanted, man. Come on. I should have a BMW by now. I should have a big house by now. I should be living in Beverly Hills by now. But instead, I'm married to this ding-dong. Whoa! <laughs> and not only that, I got this ding dong. 
Don't worry, I will get them back. You know what? And, and look at my kids. They don't listen. <laughs> year after year, pain. Pain. And the planes... And the air traffic controllers in this church gave up on you. They said, look, uh, this plane is stubborn. We're going to try and land other planes. <laughs> and in the tower, they are going for other planes. On those planes are landing. Shh. One by one. And this one, yeah. let them go. Let them circulate and they will ditch. And you refuse to land. Because you're unhappy. Life didn't turn out, huh? You're sick. I didn't expect to get cancer. I didn't expect to get this. I, don't, I didn't expect to have no money. How come I only have three digits in my bank account? Why not six? Resentment, anger, and it circulates, circulates. And here's the thing. The story changes. It's all about who? The ding-dong ball. I got to make sure my plane land today. Okay. How's your life, your short life so far? You know, you're 16, 17, 18, 19. You know what? There's a lot of pain. A lot of pain because you know what? That fellow sitting over there, my dad, he's mean to me. The mom is mean to me. This church is mean to me. You change the story, my friend. Everything is about someone else's fault. You see that? You allow the hurt to endure. You're blamed. And you change and change and change and change. And then the thoughts go. And then they hurt you so terribly. And you cannot even land. So this was what they went through. Okay, let's move on. You know, you look at, on the left, on the, on the right, on your right, that list, that's what we teach what all children need. You need to feel, connect, you need to have what? Connection and acceptance, healthy autonomy and performance, reasonable limits, realistic expectations. And then you need spiritual values and community. In other words, my good young friends, you all need that. Now, you may say, what the heck is all this? What is connection and acceptance? Where you feel your mom and dad and your friends accept you for who you are. You understand? Have you ever felt like people don't accept you? They say nice to you and the minute you dye your hair, <laughs> they don't like you. They don't like your hair this way now. And they give you a funny look. Right? And you don't feel connected and accepted. Maybe you want to study this. And your parents are saying, no, no, do that. Boom! But what we're teaching is, you know what? Parents need to connect and accept you. Healthy autonomy and performance. That means give you the freedom to make each appropriate decision. Some of you, you think you are, you're ready to make a lot of decisions in life. You're not. You think you are. But you need eight appropriate freedom. Reasonable limits. There's a time for everything. There's a time for discipline. There's a time for playing. There's a time for everything. Amen? Amen. Realistic expectation. They have to do that. You must have, somebody has to have realistic expectation on you. Not completely neglecting you, but at the same time, not controlling. And then you need spiritual values and community. Let me tell you this. If you can have all five of those things, components, okay, at a reasonable level, you don't have to be perfect. Just at a reasonable level, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. The, the planes will land. You will come out fired up. You will 
have a sense of peace and freedom. And I see so many people, so many young, they don't have those things, man. Something is going on. Do you see what I'm saying? Some thoughts, some planes are just circling, circling, year after year, month after month. It's not helping them. Parents, their job is on the right. They also need to feel connected with you. Parents should expect growth and performance because they are your parents. Parents expect children to be responsible and to show respect. You see that? Now, the problem is this. Why do we fight? When children on, feel like on the left side, it's not met. And parents feel like the list on the right side is not met. Then at home, boom. True? For example... Kids feel like, I don't feel like you, you, you accept me for who I am. And parents said, I, I don't feel like you're responsible and you respect people. Boom. They fight. Sometimes they're different combinations. Right? You feel like, I don't feel like I have enough freedom. Number two. And then the parents say, but, but I don't feel like I'm close to you. Boom. Can you see that? And then just the setting bulls, their planes are flying. And they refuse to land. And when they see each other, there is a distance. And it's so sad. Then both go through that same three stages. They allow the hurts to endure. They blame. And then what? They change the story. Then when I get with you, my friend, what happened? Yeah, you see that one? That, that gray hair fellow is my father. You know, you know what he did to me. You know what I'm saying? You change. It's because you allow it to enjoy. And then on this side, they say, you see that one there? That, that funny blue hair. Why is her hair blue? You tell me. Everybody else is black or brown. Why is this blue? You see that? But when these two meet at home, there's a coldness. There is a coldness. And then in Christmas, you know what you say? Hi. Here's a present. You know what's the bet what's a better present? Reconciliation. Amen. Forgiveness. Amen. Having good breakthrough talks. Awesome. Can we have an amen? No. And sometimes you need air traffic controllers to come in to get your planes to land, parents. And then some more to get the, your planes to land. So both are landing in different runways, but at the same time. Amen? Then you come out of the plane. You see what I'm saying? Have you seen passengers come out? My friend! Yeah, and that's what needs to happen before Christmas. Come on. How many days we have before Christmas? Can we do that? Yes, no, church, lighthouse, come on. It is time to land. Okay? You're running out of fuel. For some of you, you're running out of fuel. And if you don't do this quickly, you're going to ditch. It's time for a landing. Forgiveness is so wonderful. It doesn't take long, okay? I want you to really understand this. You know, having this talk, landing, doesn't take a long time. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to 14, this, Jesus says a he talks about the what? The prayer of a tax collector and a Pharisee. You know that one? Yeah. Do you all know this one, parents? All right. My friends, do you know this one? Yes, no, maybe so. Okay. So, shall we read it? Do we have time? Okay, let's go there. 
I don't plan on reading this, but I don't know. I don't know if we have time. Okay. My wife says read. Okay, we read. Okay, everybody, let's change our course. This is your captain speaking. It's time to go here. Okay. The parable of the Pharisee and tax collector. Luke 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness. And looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. (laughs) Or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. Thank you very much. And I give a tenth of all I But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, here's a question. I love this. Jesus was so fired up when he heard who? When he heard this tax collector pray. Now let me ask you this. How long do you think this prayer was? One hour? Uh, How long? Short prayer? Five seconds? No, No, I don't think five seconds. Come on, it's not that short. But do you think it was one hour? Okay, so compromise. Five minutes. Can you say this sincerely in five minutes? Can you can you say a prayer like this in five minutes sincerely? Yes? I think so. You don't need one hour. You don't need an hour. You don't need half an hour. But you need more than five seconds. I think five seconds. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. Okay? The plane takes time to land. Five minutes. Yeah, five to ten minutes. And, and Jesus says, it is a parable. He said, before God, God was so fired up about this, this tax collector's prayer. And it, it came into a parable and Jesus, God was so fired up. You know how long it takes for the plane to land? It doesn't take very long. If you can have these things in your vocabulary, number one, you are admitting sincerely and truthfully your weakness and apology. Like the tax collector who said, I am a sinner. So, Friends, if you want to get reconciled to your fellow friends or even to your parents or anybody else, what you got to do? Here's the thing. What did Jesus say? I'm a sinner. So let me ask you, do you know what are your sins and what are your shortcomings? You see, if you don't know, you need some air traffic controllers to help you. Help you read those dials in front of you, okay? Where are you at? So that the landing can be awesome. I don't want a rough landing. I don't want you to take a nosedive. I want a smooth, excellent landing. Next, a sense of sorrow and remorse. Okay? You know what the tax collector, he beat his what? Why did he do that? Why? Yeah, you know... And he wouldn't even look up. <laughs> yeah. Can we all do that? And lastly, they both said what they need. Tax collector said, I need mercy. 
You see, your dialogue, if you want to land, you must have these three components. Okay? You admit and you have awareness of your weakness and apology. You also have a sense of sorrow and you express your need for mercy. It is that simple. But my friend, it's very difficult to do because it takes what? Humility. Number one. And number two, it takes courage. Humility and courage is what you need to get the planes to land. And if you can have the two, then the landing will be fairly short and efficient. And you don't need 15 air traffic controllers and the fire engine all to be on standby. You see what I'm saying? Just But there are people, they don't have this. It's the other list. Blaming, change the story. You know what I'm saying? Can't land. So hard to land. So, the choice is yours. Future families, you know what? We've got to really land. All right, let's move on. Point number two, my last point. I only have two points, okay? And this point, the title is a bit weird. As it turned out, just then. I tell you why I called it like this. Let's right now go to the book of Ruth. Are we there? All right, go back. All right, book of Ruth, chapter 2 right now. All right, in verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. Harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. They called back. Boaz asked the foreman of the harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she's the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather from among the sheaves behind the house. She went in the field and has worked steadily from morning till, till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field or go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where my men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you and whatever, sorry, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Wow! Isn't this amazing? Now you may think, wait, 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 what's the big deal? I tell you what's the big deal. The big deal was this. Naomi and Ruth were poor. Ruth didn't know what to do. So Ruth had an idea, happened to have had an idea. What was that? Let me go and glean. You know who gleaned in the Old Testament? Poor people. If you had a field, you go and harvest. But the poor people glean. That means after the first round is finished, the poor come and pick the edges. And Ruth said, I'm just going to humble myself and glean. Ask permission, can I glean? You know what the harvester said? But here's the most incredible thing. As it turned out, just then, there happened to be Boaz. Now, let me ask you, who arranged all this? Come on, I want to hear. But then, I thought to myself, if God arranged it, why did the writer of the book of Ruth say, as it turned out, just then, Right? As it turned out, just there. So that you and I can relate to it. 
You know how many times this has happened in your life. Let me say this. More than you can possibly even realize. And there are so many things that happen in your life as it turned out just then. And, and you know, some of us are so entitled. We're like, well, it's about time now. Well, Lord, it's about time. Just a sense of entitlement, you know. What do you mean about time? God worked it out, man. As it turned out, just then. And it happened because Ruth was willing to be... What's the word? It's, it's hard for me to say during Christmas. I'm willing to glean. Because she was willing to be humble, God says, work it all out. And it so happened, Boaz was there. You know what happened at the end of this book? I don't have time. They lived. And they got married. It became a nice Hindi movie. Yeah. Your Hollywood movie is all bang, 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 bang. Our Hindi movie back is all love story. And there was a song. And how did they meet? As it turned out, uh, just then. You know how Karen and I met? I was walking on the street. She tapped on my shoulder. She said, hey, you're an incredible guy. <laughs> you wish. No, that's not what happened. I was in London. I wanted to go to the ministry. I was scared. Last year of my exam, I said, God, this is my last paper. I remember Mechanical engineering. Last paper, noise control. I thought, okay, I'm going to blow this one out. And I finished my paper. I did well. I came out. I, I went to my room. I said, this is it. I'm going to ministry now. <laughs> and I locked the door and I packed my stuff. I have only three boxes. And then I said, this is <laughs> I had a panic attack. Because my dad was against it, my mom was against it, and I, I had a lot of uncertainties. And, and you know what bugged me more than anything else? Who am I going to marry? Because in the London church at that time, there were not a lot of sisters from my part of the world. You understand. You, you get what I'm saying. You got it. You got it, brother. And I tell you the story. I locked the door. I packed. I got on my knees. And I prayed for a few minutes. I said, God, I'm going in. And you know why I'm going in. I want to start a work in Asia. Da, da, da. God, can you please? I don't know who I'm going to get married to. I'm scared. I'm scared that I won't find a girlfriend. I'm just scared that I don't know how it's going to work out. But I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> then I carried my box. Right? I went. That same day, that same day, I walk into my home of my disciple. My disciple say, Hey, John, come here. I said, I know we've got a busy day. We have a campaign coming up, and you're in charge of this group. I said, yep, I got it all done, all my stuff, everything ready. Where we're meeting, first round, do what? Where we're going to go in blitz? We're going to door knock. Here's my map. He said, wonderful. It's your first day on staff. I said, here, meet this girl. I said, what girl? He said, come. And I saw Karen. And she said, he said, this, this is a good girl. I said, hi. <laughs> and Karen was, hi. <laughs> and, you know, I said, wow, she's nice. And then that's it. I said, I got to get back to work. 
I didn't even know what was happening. As it turned out. Just that! I mean, a year later, also we were dating. Then we got married. I look back. As it turned out, just that. You all have stories like that. Yes? Parents? How you met each other, how you bumped into the church, bumped into the church, how you were spared here and there. God was doing something. And that's why I love the book of Ruth. It's not the Red Sea. It's not Goliath. I I can't relate to all that. But I can relate to just trust, be a little humble. Okay, push yourself. You know what I'm saying? Put your ego aside. Trust, listen a bit. Pray. And as it turned out just then, let me tell you what happened. They lived happily ever after. Okay, and I'm going to close out with this. The genealogy of David. <laughs> you see that? Verse 21. Salmon, the father of boys. We're not interested in all Salmon and all these people. This is what I'm interested in. Boaz, the father of who? Obed. Obed, the father of? Jesse. Jesse, the father of? Yes! Yes! And a lot of Jews, they look at this genealogy, they go, they don't like this. They don't like those Pharisees that Jesus was battling with. They don't like it. Because... Because Boaz, Ruth, they're not pure Jews. They're like, how did they get in there? Do you see what I'm saying? Just then, as it turned out, God can do incredible things. I want you to believe. So I'm going to conclude by telling you, it's time to what? When? Why? So that you don't run out of gas. Amen? It's getting empty, guys. Come on. Do you have air traffic controllers in this church? Yes. Experts. They have landed a million planes. They can help you, but you got to listen. Stop changing the story. Stop blaming I don't know your pain. I don't know all the different things that have happened to you. But I know this. I know this. Whatever's happened, we've got to land those planes. And it's the best gift that we can give to each other. The future of families are in your hands. It's time to land. Thank you. God bless.